This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Pride of West London Besotted Podcast. Um, what, what an eagerly anticipated week this has been. Um, not because of a new James Bond film, it's because the bees are back and we hope it's going to be 007-0 to the mighty Reds. Um, everyone's been potty for this QPR fixture since the fixtures actually came out. Um, we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I think we're all a little bit relieved that we go into this fi- fixture knowing we can win at least, which probably wasn't the case three weeks ago, not even two weeks ago. One week ago, um, when we played Rotherham, uh, we were in a bit of a crisis. Now it looks like uh, the, the corner's been turned somewhat, so we can look to the QPR game with just a little bit of confidence that we can avoid defeat, if nothing more. Um, with me tonight, uh, we have the usual rabble. Uh, Nick Carfew is here. T- Hello, Nick. I am Bill. Dave, uh, sorry. <laughs> Hello, mate. <laughs> Sorry, do apologise. Um, Sav Kiriakou is here. How are you, Sav? I'm better. I'm better. I, I missed the uh, Charlton game due to illness. Loyal. Loyal. Yeah, thank you. Um, and and uh, Matt Allard, who's got over his vertigo. He's um, back on terra firma. He saw the bees bash Charlton um, from his cable car. Nerves? Was it nerves? It was, it was good. I did the cable car because then I could stand at the back of the um, at the back of the stand and um, and not have to worry about the heights or anything. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was awesome, wasn't it, Charlton? Really, really good. Yeah, it was excellent. I mean, let's, I good mean, day out. Yeah, it was. It was a really much, good day yeah. out. I mean, I think we all went there um, a little bit nervous, not necessarily because it's Charlton, because it, it was the place. You know, we we've never we never really do well there. Um, you know, Nick, we you know we we were up in um, Wolves. We saw Brentford put in a, um, you know, an encouraging performance. It was important we went to South East London and followed it up with something. And they, they properly followed it up, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I was thinking here on the way home, on the way here tonight, how worried we were on the way to Wolverhampton about whether we could continue the run, how we would play, what we would do. We had a magnificent performance at Wolverhampton. That carried through to the Charlton game as well. 
all-round team performance and playing some really good football as well. And, you know, somebody said to me on the way out of the ground, Brentford is back, our Brentford is back, and Saturday's yeah, performance I, proved it. I think that was pretty spot on. You know, there was a sense of something familiar, you know, being on the show. All the players looked really up for it and wanted to play for the team, which I don't think has been totally apparent, certainly before the Wolves' performance. I mean, and obviously, Lee Carsley deserves a lot of credit. He's really built a team ethos. Um, and um, let's hope he can continue it. Sav, you weren't at the game, as you said, because of the illness, but that doesn't make uh, you know the experience any less nervy. Um, sometimes it's it's easier to be there, but you know you you were aware of how important the match was, and you know you must have been relieved when you saw the goals, you know, pinging. Absolutely, I was, I was listening to it on Bees Player. I was just about alert enough within my haze to listen to it on Bees Player, and it just sounded fantastic. I mean, it really felt. Like Brentford were back. I mean, I, just just listening to Mark Burridge talking about what was going on, you could see that we were making angles. And I watched it again the following day, the extended highlights. You see, we were making the angles. You could see we were picking up those second balls every time. There was options all over the pitch, and I was I was really really impressed. And but just the feeling of just being back to where we were, back to knowing where where we could be, and that was just fantastic. Matt, better team would have uh, been two up after ten minutes, though. So. Is it important that we learn, you know, it wasn't a perfect performance? It, it wasn't, and um, we shouldn't get, you know, too carried away yet, um, because we, we, we've played, apart, I mean, not, maybe not so much with Wolves, but we've, but we've only really beaten teams very much in the bottom of the, of the league, the teams we have beaten this season. Wolves, Wolves were poor as well, Wolves were poor. So, OK, so that makes my point even more. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think it's time to get carried away. I think what was encouraging, though, was that we let... it At the beginning of the season, we were 1-0 behind early doors in quite a few games, and um, and that could have happened against Charlton, but we, we held out. And um, and hopefully that bodes well for the future. It was, pre- so. it was pretty much the Alan Judge show, though. I mean, that's one, one thing I, that does worry me slightly. Yes, he's in brilliant form, but he seems to be the catalyst of pretty much everything. I don't know. I mean, looking back at the highlights, um, I, I saw the Channel 5 programme um, and again was in a bit of a haze having, having had a, consumed a few celebratory pints on the way home from the game. But uh, it was quite obvious is that lots of the other team had chipped in, including Swift. I mean, that goal from Swift was magnificent. Um, but I thought the passing um, from, from the... From um, the centre midfielders, McCormack had a good McCormack had a good game, but our back four looked relatively secure as well. And I mean, the player I don't after know, the ten minutes after the well, yeah, but the player who have we praised Yanaris um, enough? Because I mean, he really has come into his own. Yeah, and I think I think Yanaris yeah. over the last three games has established himself very firmly as our right back. Um, oh. And you know. What would be really interesting is when we start to get the players back, how the Carsley will manage to get in some really good um, footballers back into the team. Matt, is, 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 that one, is that one of the unexpected highlights, you um, know, really, is Yanaris? Unexpected to some extent, but I think with Yanaris, what's important is it's the first time he's had a run in a, in a, a settled team and B, a settled position. Because, I mean, what is Yanaris? Is he a right back? Is he a midfielder? Um, he's played at left back for us, and 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 he certainly I can't think of him having a run of three games um, on you know one after one I, before and in the same position. So I think it's um, it, it's given him that opportunity to settle in, and um, I think by by Saturday I'd forgotten he was playing, and that's 
always a good thing for players that you're that's, that's that you're um, yeah the, 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 that you're wondering about. The, the, other, the other good thing is the the answer to the question: What exactly is Yanaris? This time last year, you got a very different answer to: He's a fullback. Yeah, he will be like a very very different set of words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, even at Wickham, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, sorry, I take your point completely. But I was going to say, even at Wickham. And um, he, you know, he he wasn't playing in the same position. And yeah, what is he? What was he? Yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah, oh, he wouldn't have been described as a footballer by quite a few people. I think I think the interesting thing is 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 that by sending Clark out on loan, it's actually given him that opportunity to make that position his own for what might still be a relatively short period. But but I think you know until um, Colin comes back, Colin Colin comes back. Uh, but it's given him that opportunity. A lot of people are upset that Clark went out on loan, but actually it seems to have worked in our favour. The one player I can't work out um, whether he really is improving or not, I'd be interested in your views, is Jurison. Um, I think that he's starting to link up better um, and people are starting to realise the runs that he's making and, um, and how he operates. So, you know, that, that could be. But I... There were times on Saturday when I thought, you know, is he really up to it? What do you think, guys? Um, my, my personal opinion is I think he is, uh, and, I, and I think, but he, I think he's very much reliant on service. Um, he, although he did make a great goal for himself um, a couple of weeks back um, in, the, in the Preston game, <coughs> we flicked it over his head, and so he's, he's got that in his armoury. Yeah, he's skillful. And I, I, I really think it, it looked like we were trying to get the ball into the danger area a lot quicker. The two, the two crosses from Judge that, that led to other people's goals were all about getting the ball into the danger area quicker. Not, not long ball, not hoof ball, but you know, properly angled horizontal balls into feet. Um, and I think Jurisin's the kind of player that if we can get the ball into him when he's turning, I noticed at Wolves he was making a lot of very intelligent non-predictable runs that weren't yeah. spotted yeah. By, by the person with the yeah. ball yeah. but once they become aware I think I think we're gonna that's gonna be fruitful Yunaris does try to link the play up um, but it is but his link plays is often very flashy yes. flicks sorry not Yunaris um, Jurison sorry Jurison I mean, his link play is very flashy flicks a lot of the time not not actually read by the players at times either what what Jurison doesn't do is stop the ball look up hold the ball up put his body around the ball stop a defender from getting it he, he basically wants to get rid of it as soon as it comes and into pass his feet and then moves into a different yeah, position yeah, to yeah. He's, he, 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 he's looking to lay somebody else in the minute he gets the ball it's one touch flick get it away um, which I don't really think the players are, I don't think the other players around him have actually got up to speed with him on that yet and that may I, come I the think, one we, thing I think I, we're getting there because yeah. we've got Swift who's beginning to think that way as well and yeah. Judgey's getting further up there and around there I have to say I thought I thought um, Jurisin had scored the goal it, it was Swift's goal it, 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 was, it was in Jurisin's position yeah, yeah. That's, that's, and, and I think from we were right at the other end of the pitch it was really difficult to see him yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I thought that was him and I was delighted I'm, I'm still delighted for Swift too we need to get goals from all over the pitch Espe- um, yeah especially when you're going to play one up front um, and with, with the th- essentially you've got three attacking players playing behind one up front um, and you need those attackers to, to come in with goals judges Swift has um, Will Woods we'll find out and V-Bay chips in with one coming off the bench yeah that, I mean it's an interesting one with V-Bay actually because instead of Hoffman we brought V-Bay on to play up front on his own um, which considering Hoffman scored in the Wolves game may have you know interesting decision maybe 
um, Carzi saw something different you know, in that game and felt Vibe was more suited to it. Uh, so it'll be interesting. It looks like Vibe is going to struggle to get in the side now, apart from the centre forward. It was a less aggressive game against Charlton, though, wasn't it? You know, Wolves was very, very physical. There was a, it was a battering ram kind of game. Charlton were down, they're on their downs by that stage. I think he was probably done looking, you know, I think we were getting in behind them and using pace. Yeah, the Wolves yeah. were the only one they left, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. But we'd won the game with Charlton. Yeah. I mean, Charlton, yeah, Charlton in the second half had given up on that, so whether that's any indication of how well we're playing. One thing I would also say about Jurison is I don't think he, he, he shouldn't be afraid of being caught offside. I mean, the one thing we used to complain about, and in retrospect we shouldn't have done about Gray last year, was the number of times he was caught offside. I think Jurison is playing that half-step back off the defender's shoulder, if that makes, and you know, and he shouldn't be afraid to step up. And you know, if he gets caught offside, he gets caught offside. But more times than not, he'll he'll get the ball that, that scores a goal. So we just mentioned Alan Judge. Um, he's got some more good news this week. He's been called up to the provisional Republic of Ireland squad for their playoff games against Bosnia and Hertz van Heijer. Um You know, he, he's he, he's been called up. A couple of times, he's, stu- he's represented uh, the Republic at under 18s, under 19s, under 21, under 23. No full cap as yet. Are they wasting his time? Um, he would have. I, I think what's interesting about about him is that I haven't seen. I've watched Ireland play a few times in recent games, admittedly against some good opposition. I'm not sure I've seen a player um, run on the ball like Judge has for Ireland certainly in the Germany or Polish games, probably because they're told not to do it and to move the ball as quickly as possible. So, you know, where would Judge fit into the Irish team, I think, is the most interesting conundrum. I think he's good enough. You're saying, he's, you're saying, he's, you're saying he's too good for Ireland, aren't you? I'm saying uh, different different to what some of the other players offer that play in the Irish team is probably what I'm saying. But, you know, Martin O'Neill, he's not, Martin O'Neill's not stupid. He's, he, he may know that Ireland are going to have to step up a bit if they're going to do anything in the in the Euros and they may have to look to play a little bit differently so you know I, I'm, I'm hoping he'll give Judge a go Well Ireland's, Ireland's success traditionally has always been playing hoofball I mm. can't say I've seen much of their games but having read their reports afterwards people do talk about the long, the long ball game that Ireland are playing and that is not Alan Judge no, exactly. um, you know the ball goes it flies over him in midfield he's, he's not going to be able to contribute much so you know I I think I think it's all round positive it can no, do no harm for a professional player to be um, recognised by his country and I hope that he gets into the squad and I hope that he goes and travels to Bosley Herzegovina and to the Euros in, in 2016 because it will be good to see a Brentford player at least in a squad for the Euros So um, Republic of Ireland mm-hmm. the analogies between them and you know the, the lower the lower division English team of old you know it's all about spirit it's all about strength it's all about power it's all about togetherness is, is Matt right? You know, is, is Judge too cultured for that setup? I think I think Matt is right that he's the wrong kind of player for the way they play. I mean, there's no reason he can't play, you know, in in the Euros for a team that would utilise his skills. But Ireland isn't the team to do that. It's, it's just unfortunate that he's the Irish Messi and they don't want him Messi. No, it's true. You know, the the, the other the other Brentford player that's been called up this week. Uh, so congratulations to Daniel Shaughnessy been called up by the Finnish under-21s. They got a game against Austria um, in early November. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just good to the, it's good that these 
Brentford players are getting this international experience because you know we know that international experience at any level and for any country can only be good for your development. Some of the fan base though don't want to see the international call-ups because they think that therefore they get up higher into the spotlight and, and get signed up. I mean th- there was rumours around the weekend that Alan Judge was being watched by Swansea and Bournemouth, Bournemouth um, and Leicester as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that it's all paper talk and, and um, any teams that are struggling for goals like Bournemouth and, and Swansea are at the moment. Um, you know, Alan Judge is a name that will come up there. I hope that um, come January he won't leave, um, but I think there is a danger that if he goes on the run of form that he is... Um, we will be hard put to uh, hold on to because there will be some major, major, major millions. Yeah, because my other concern is if there's anybody within the Irish setup whispering into his ear, you know, you really need to get to a Premier League club to, um, you know, to to, to be considered. I mean, I don't actually think the Irish team is quite like that, but, but I'm just hoping there's nobody whispering in his ear that you want to be playing in the Premier League if you're going to get into the Irish team for the, for the you, Euros. You, do, you, have to say, you, have, you do have to say, excelling at Brentford and being the star is surely better than being on the bench at Bournemouth and coming on and playing maybe a bit hot. He may be and, a week in, week out. And that would be yeah. my counter-argument to what I've just said. Yeah. I'd be saying to him, actually, you want to, if you want to get in the Irish team, you want to be playing week in, week out and impressing people. There's no point sitting on the bench at Bournemouth. But it's crucial It's crucial for him, is there, that Brentford, that Brentford do well and are in the top, at least the top half of the Championship. Because if you're in the bottom half of the Championship, you don't get covered and you don't get reported on. It's quite noticeable, the split. If you're in the top ten of the Championship... National newspapers, national TV will come and cover your games, you know, on radio. If you if you're in the second half of the championship, you're you're relegated to, to, to two lines. And I can see Alan Judge. You know, if we are in tenth position at Christmas time, Alan Judge will stay with us. I bet you. The unfortunate thing for me is that Alan Judge probably would start for Bournemouth. Yeah, I probably. think he's that good. But I mean, you know, I guess the the other analogy is, you know, there's. Um, Lot of, there's a call for pe- for players like Vardy and Leicester to be picked purely on form rather than um, you know picking uh, Rooney. We you know game in game out just because he's been there. You know if you're at the top of your game and you really are on fire, surely your country needs you in that form rather than going to a formula. Not, not if you don't play that way. I mean, Ireland. Don't, I mean, you know they, they they might have to completely change the way they play just to suit one player and then just be crap. Because they're trying to build around one player. It's a risky, yeah. stra- it's a risky strategy for two playoff games, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you know, just to change your whole style of play. I wouldn't do it. I'd be yeah, curious if they do. I've it. never believed that picking your best eleven players is the way is the route to success. The route to success is working out how you're going to play and finding eleven players to play that way. And I, and I was at Derby, and he had a nightmare. Judgey had a nightmare. So you know, up against a really good squad of players, big, strong players. He had a, had a, had a poor game. And I'm not saying he will every week. And, 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 he, but, and uh, Derby, he was playing in a very rigid system. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, he's playing in a very fluid system now. Yeah. That, you know, when, when you watch this play now, you've got to remember that front three, Swift, Judge, and at the moment it's Woods, it has been Canos. They, they have the ability and they are allowed to swap position. As long as they cover for each other, they can literally pop up in any of those three positions. When we, at Derby, we played 4 4 2, Judge was relatively stuck in a position. And he wasn't as involved in the game, so you know, I, I, there's all sorts of things that, that that come into play here. Can I um can I pedal rumor for, for yeah. a minute? And assuming 
that judge is being sniffed around. Other clubs are in for him. What's he worth? Nick, what's he worth? Well, if Andre Gray was worth nine million, judge is worth at least ten, twelve. And that and it goes back to, to a point that I think I I said to some of you on Saturday night, you know, if if he goes in the January transfer window, that means that Brentford has sold two players for say twenty million pounds. That makes you know that that's serious money, yeah, and you cannot you cannot say you know I'm not going to sell him at that price. Twenty million pounds makes a real difference to financial fair play. Makes a real difference. So, I don't, don't want to get I don't want to get into the what's he worth to Brentford. You know that, I don't want to get any yeah. deeper. But what in in numerical terms, what is he worth? I, I, I think he's a midfielder, therefore not worth as much as Gray, even though he's like to score just as many goals as as Gray did last year. But as a midfielder. Uh, yeah, forget about what he's worth to Brentford because that skews things. But I would say probably seven to eight million. Matt, I'm thinking more six to seven. He's 26 years old. Um, he, how much he got? What's he got? A year and a half left on his contract. Um, I think strikers, English strikers especially, are way overvalued in the market. Um, he's an attacking midfielder. I think six to seven million is probably what he's worth. What we would sell him for is maybe a different question. If we only got a bid for six or seven million, I would say to Matthew Bennon, turn it down. Yeah. I, 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 I think if we got a bid for nine, ten million, yeah. take it. And yeah. that's kind of, yeah. I, I don't think we're in I, the market for selling unless we really have our arm twisted at the moment. I, I, I can't see him going in January. Next summer, maybe. Um, but... And I think uh, value, probably six, six or seven, yeah. I think that's about right, which is still a huge amount of money. But, you know, then we are getting into what's he worth to Brentford, and I think yeah. it's worth a lot more than that. Yeah, excepting we've got people like Yotta to come back. You know, we've got, you know, our attacking midfield is not bad on a bench or in, on our injured he's, reserve list. He's, he is quite unique compared to what we've got. I think a can or something, the players that can run with the ball. Mm. Um, you know, hot all cut inside. Canos can run with the ball with a bit of pace. Judge can run with a bit of the ball with a bit of pace. Dallas could. I, I, I don't know. We've got players to cover that. You, you just mentioned the player that we're going to talk about next, Mr. Canos. Sergi Canos, Liverpool loney. Um, he's absolutely potty for it. The, the minute he signed for Brentford, he's, he's, he's you know his loan period he was on Twitter saying how excited he was and every single thing about the player every minute he's been on the pitch he has given us his all so far, the attitude has been absolutely spot on to top that all he looks like he's turned down, refused to go, I don't know exactly what's happened but he was was invited to a Spanish under 19 training camp um, during the international window and he he said no thanks, mate. Um, I want to be around Brentford when they play QPR. Um, he, he is what he's doing is absorbing every single thing he can while he's at a professional football club before he has to go back to playing in a park with dogs for Liverpool. Um, that is some statement, isn't it? Is is he the kind of player now that we need to go back to Liverpool and say, look, he doesn't want to play for you anymore. He's a proper B. 
He doesn't even want to play for Spain anymore. He, he is a proper rabid bee. It's 250 grand. <laughs> if, 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 if someone wants to sell, Serge, if, you want, if, if they'll take 250 grand for Canos, I think we would you know, bite their hands off. I suspect they would I've gone down to the bank tomorrow to get yeah. a loan. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd consider remortgaging the house um, because, because that would be a steal. I think that would be a steal. I'm, I, I'm not really sure we've seen enough of him to be 100%, but it'd be, it'd be well worth a chance at that price. We've seen enough it's of him to happen. know he's better than a lot of the others we've not seen much of either. I think he's exceedingly young and has proved already how interesting a player who he already is. Yeah. It just looks like the enthusiasm is amazing. Just you know, he's, he's just like you know, just sort of comes on the pitch like a little puppy, and just like runs oh, and runs. Careful and runs. now, he is. I don't know if you know this. He is foreign, so <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want you going too overboard on this. I mean, but well, as you know, I'm a, I'm a great fan of foreign players, and I love I love the constant. I just, constant I just, I just want to say. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but um, I, I was thinking about this as well is that uh, Jürgen Klopp's going to be down in London on Friday night, isn't he? Because Chelsea are playing, Liverpool are playing Chelsea on Saturday lunchtime. I reckon Klopp should get himself down. If he's listening to this podcast, Jürgen, get yourself down <laughs> to Griffin Park on Friday night and see for yourself what a really oh, he's good... He's coming down the globe for a pint. Oh, like excellent, him. fantastic. Yeah, I'll buy him a pint because I quite like him. He looks good fun. Um, but uh, get yourself, get your, Klopp, get yourself down to Griffin Park on Friday night and see that you have got a one hell of a player on Liverpool's teams. And, um, you know, sadly, when, not, when his loan's up, um, yeah, but, I'll I mean, have okay, him back. Jürgen Klopp, he's not, he's not going to be looking for Canos to change it. You know, he, he, he's, got a, he's got a quite a job on his hands to turn things around. Yeah, 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 but, so but, 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 but Canos has real has real potential to be an exciting player in, you know, whether he plays for Brentford, whether he plays for Liverpool, whether he, you know, whether in two years' time Barcelona are regretting letting him go and we'll be trying to sign him back up as Messi's retiring. You know, let us, let us celebrate that Canos is a really exciting player um, and, you know, as you say, he is a B. And God, just imagine what you would do if he managed to knock a goal in on Saturday. Is he, he going to play a part on Friday night, mate? I, <laughs> he's made a statement, hasn't he, by a stance, by, by wanting to be around for the game. And f- unfortunately for him, I suspect he'll, um, he's likely to be a sub that will come on if we're maybe a goal down or something. That's probably the part he'll play if he plays any big part. Uh, I, I think we'll go into the game. I'm sure we're going to cover this later, but I think we'll go into the game with the same starting eleven. I, I, I also might be a bit nervous of starting him, and um, because. Because if he is that up for it, he could get himself into trouble very quickly. And I think, as much as in these sort of derby games, you want your players to go out there, you know, up for it. Um, you don't want to pick up too many bookings in the first twenty minutes. Let's do it now. Let's slide into QPR mode. I mean, you know, it's up for it. We've been we've been up for it the last two games. Clearly, up, we're clearly we are up for the challenge now. Is there such a thing as too up for it? Yes, absolutely. Look, can, can we be realistic about this? It is a big game, but it is not our cup final. And it is not, you know, it's not crucial it, as, as to how the rest of our season goes. Yes, it would be good to beat QPR, but it was fantastic to beat Wolves away. And it was very good to beat Charlton away. 
being Rangers at home will be, you know, I'll be celebrating along with everybody else and singing and chanting and getting absolutely pissed after the game if we do it. So it's your cup final. But it, but it is another game and, you know, I'll be doing the same if we beat Hull on Tuesday night. I'll be celebrating and cheering and no, you rubbing won't. Moses' face no, in it. No, you will not. I, I you will, won't. I will, because, you know, the football, the, the football league season is a long one, you know. And yes, yes, QPR is an important game, but there are another 48 or however many, sorry, 40 whatever, whatever games that are equally as important to us if we want to finish in a high position. And let's not get carried away by the hype. Sev, this is your cup final. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited by it. And if you're not excited by a local derby, you don't think it's one of the, the games of the season, which is what a cup final is, then there's something wrong with you. I mean, I know, you know, there's all the bullshit, oh, you know, you've got to take it easy, you must get too excited because it will change the way you feel okay. about it, and, and if you lose, it's even worse. So you're spot on, and to prove that Nick's wrong, mm-hmm. we had loads and loads of great wins last year, and all of them were three points, but which two stood out way more than the others? They were the Fulham wins. The wins, the wins, the wins, the yeah, wins. the wins. Yeah. The what's, what's the, I think once they're converted to wins, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're great. But we, I mean, come on, you, you look back at Craven Cottage and, and you, you know, that, that whole build up, and it was a, it was a pressure cooker, and everyone, you know, you, you got there however you could, you got a ticket however you could, you know, it was, it was a special, special day, and you win. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we can take... It was it, it was just another game when you lose, and that's what we tell QPR. It was just another game. But when you win, come on. So, so maybe there's a bit more honesty from Sav. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of with Nick in a way. Um, and, um, I, you know, I, I, I also think for me, I, I, it's probably the age you are as a Brentford supporter, is that, you know, I, because I wasn't around for the QPR issues in the 60s. Um, and then I didn't really see Brentford play QPR until the until I think it was 2000, the first time we played them. Uh, for me, it's, it's it's really, it's all about Fulham um, more than QPR, which is probably, and, and I'm sure if you get, if you get, Fans that are older than me and fans that are younger than me, they'll say something different. They'll they'll say QPR, but yeah, for me it's Fulham. But but it's still a yeah. I'm, I'm still up for Friday think, night. I am younger, up for Friday. Do you think the younger fans will actually understand the um, the 1967? Well, before 67, we beat them six one and five one. You know, in 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 the third division south. So I mean, you know, what type of games were those? I mean, being on Sky helps as well. Hype the hype the whole thing. Um, but hype it is I'm sorry I go back to the point I really hope we win and I hope we put on a really good performance but I hope we win on Tuesday night against Hull and I hope we put on a really good performance against them too I don't understand your being on Sky thing because I haven't got Sky and I'm going to be at the game so being on Sky means absolutely nothing yeah 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 but Griffin Park under lights yeah a, a Griffin Park under lights with a full house I, against yeah, your I'd, buy, in, I'd buy into yeah. that in the, it, it's a you know the atmosphere is it, the atmosphere will be good as well, and what I do hope is that all the ten and a half thousand, eleven thousand people who come along on Friday night will also come along on Tuesday night as well, because f- night football at Griffith Park there is something really magical about it, and I get a bit romantic and teary-eyed actually. I much prefer that almost to a Saturday afternoon, you know, in the rain. Well, I'm much more excited about it being on the Friday night than uh, 
a Sunday morning, which they could have been because mm. you've got the rugby final, yeah. haven't you? Which yeah. precluded the Saturday game. But I, th- I think you know this could be a, a fair few half days and a, f- a fair few uh, hookies and a, and a fair few bit of skiving on Friday. I think it's a be um, quite a few Brentford and, and QPR probably in the pub from mid afternoon. Um, I think there's going to be some bouncers on doors. I think um, I think the uh, security is going to be um, raised a little bit. Um, we could probably even see the horses around the ground. Um, oh, I don't go for the roses. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think there's any intelligence out there, and I think the um, the fans and the police they got they got together a couple of weeks ago just to talk through things. Um, and I, I had a bit of an interesting experience about these pressure cooker atmospheres. Um, I went down to uh, Cardiff on Monday night to see their their bubble game with um, Bristol City. So they call it the seven side seven side um, derby. Um, Bristol City, Bristol Rovers is you know, and, and Swansea Cardiff is is the the actual traditional uh, rivalry between the two of them. But because of the, there's been um, so much trouble in recent friendlies, um, in recent fixtures, they we had this bizarre situation where Bristol City fans had to they got a voucher for the game, and they had to leave from Bristol Ashton Gate on the coaches, and they exchange their voucher for a ticket in the services outside Cardiff, and then everyone was ferried in almost like in an ark into Cardiff City Stadium where they were just taken straight in and ring fenced and you couldn't they couldn't go anywhere else apart from into the stadium and it was the it was the most surreal, seedy, horrible atmosphere and arrangement I, I, I've witnessed. And I and I think it's just uh, shows you how um, how these games, if they're allowed to get out of control, can have implications for people who would never ever throw a punch if, if Billy were here he would tell you that the Football Sports Federation is really anti-bubble games because, and actually they are a disgrace um, because the police are assuming that all football fans and anybody wanting to go and see the game on opposing side is going to create trouble what's really interesting is that the Newcastle Sunderland time we're derby we're time derby um, that, that used to be a bubble game, as did Cardiff Swansea, and South Wales Police and the Northumbria Police decided in both cases that they weren't going that they were going to do away with the bubble fixture and rely on the supports to behave themselves. And the number of arrests, um, the number of arrests has gone down. I know the time we're Derby particularly because a, a, a good mate of mine is a Newcastle supporter. The number of arrests when Newcastle plays Sunderland. It, or Sunderland Newcastle is less than it is for a fixture, you know, Newcastle versus Man U or Sunderland versus Birmingham. It, it, it is a, there are less arrests. And actually, I don't think, you know, were Brentford ever to be subject to bubble games, I'm somebody who goes to pretty much 100% of all the games, I think I would refuse to go because I refuse to be treated like a potential criminal by the police. Um, and, you know, you treat people like, like idiots, people will behave like idiots. You give people a, a common sense, and they and, and and they normally behave in the right way. And that's just what I would say about Friday night: is that you know there may be a few, and it will be only a few. You probably count them on the fingers of one hand who will be trying to provoke a bit of trouble. Just ignore them, folks. Just forget about Matt, it. Matt, it's a talk, talk on Twitter today about uh, certain people coming down to cause trouble. Do you, do you see it as a Sort of a you know touch paper. Do you, do you, do you, do you sense it? 
I I don't think it's the first time we've been here with talk on Twitter or talk amongst people that everyone's coming to the game, all these other supporters, rah rah rah. Tough. Um, and normally, I you know I I don't. These things tend to... I, I generally think these tend, these sort of issues, when you actually have problems at games, tend to blow up at games you least expect them to when there's less police around and stuff like that. So, I don't know, maybe maybe there's a bit... But I've seen it so many times before that, you know, there's going to be away supporters in the home end and all that stuff, and, and there's not been trouble. So I'm not going to the game with any other plan than my normal plan on Friday night. And... Um, and I'll be going to the same pub and going to the ground at the same time, assuming that everything will be normal. So, Sav, are you going to be kicking it off on Friday night? Um, no, 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 I'm, 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 no. I might. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. I'll, I'll hold your coat, Sav. I'll yeah. hold your coat. Yeah. Right. Well, let's 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 get the feedback and get the thoughts of um, someone from the QPR camp. Um, Billy Grant, who's not here tonight, but he has been being a busy bee nonetheless. He caught up with Clive Whittingham, who is from Loft for Words. Um, I hope they are at 11:30 on a, on Friday night. Um, it's going to be a humdinger. Let's see what they think of the, from the Ranger side. So big game on Friday. It's the Pride of West London derby. The first time the two teams are going to meet since 2004 as QPR and Brentford. And those were the days when Mark Bertram had bird shit on his head. Martin Rowlands was kissing the Rangers' bad in defiance. And Brentford fans turned up Loftus Road in a double-decker bus full of Hollywood heroes, including Darth Vader and King Kong. So looking ahead to the big game, who best to find out exactly what's going down at Loftus Road? They had to chat to Clive Whittingham from QPR blog, Loft for words. Clive, mate, how you doing? I'm I'm doing well. How how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I'm I'm looking forward to Friday. Are you you okay? You a trepidation going on in in your part of West uh, London? There, there is a little bit. Not no, not because um, I think we've got an inferior team to Brentford because um, because we haven't. But we've got we've got a poor record in in London derbies um, for for several years now, including this. We've already been tonked at Fulham, obviously this year. Um, and you know, it's a whole new squad. It's a whole new team. There was a big turnover in the summer, and it feels, you know, it feels like it's taken them a little bit of time to just get it together and, and for it to click. So uh, we know what happened at Fulham. Well, you know, while we we're a work in progress, and uh, you know, there is that concern that you know you come up against a, a really committed and uh, up for it team on Friday that uh, that we may have problems again. But you know, we've got we've certainly got the players to, to come and get a result. Indeed, I mean, Rangers, you've had a. I mean, it's fair to say you've had a so-so start to the season. You've won five. You've lost to the likes of Charlton, Forest, Birmingham, and you mentioned Fulham. Uh, but you've also pulled off wins against the likes of Wolves at Molyneux, uh, Rotherham, and more recently, uh, MK Don's HKA Franchise FC. Um, what's the verdict on the season so far from you guys on the pitch? The, um, the I mean, Chris Ramsey, he's having a hard time winning the fans over and... Um, you know, one of the problems for, for quite a lot of the season is we couldn't stop conceding goals. We, was, we were conceding two a game, basically. It's not even an average, you know, we were conceding two goals a game. Um, so, so there was that problem. But he's brought Clint Hill back in over, over the past couple of games. We've kept a couple of, uh, of clean sheets. Um, 
you know, get against Chef Wednesday, which a lot of QPR fans saw as a poor result, but that, that looks like quite a good result, getting a nil-nil off them on the, on the back of what happened with them and Arsenal this week. We beat MK Dons pretty comfortably on Saturday. So it feels like we're maybe just getting things together a little bit at the back. Like I say, there was such a high turnover in the summer. There's so many players moving in and out. You know, there's the financial situation and things like that. It was always going to be a difficult season. Um, and so far, we've, we've just been very inconsistent and a little bit mentally fragile, particularly, particularly at the back. Ramsey plays in a certain way, which seems to expose the defence perhaps more than it should. Um, we've tightened up of late, so, so we're hoping we're moving in the right direction now, albeit MK Dons were, were very poor on, on Saturday, so I'm not sure how much we can, we can judge by that. I mean, you talk about Chris Ramsey. I mean, I know there's been a lot of mutterings about Chris Ramsey. Some of the fans not believing that he's experienced enough to get QPR back to the Premier League this season. So, of course, you go in and you bring a manager who you fired a while back to consult to the manager you've got at the moment, which is Neil Warnock. Don't you think this is a bit of a smack of the teeth for Ramsey? Well, I think, I think it completely undermined him, to be perfectly honest. I think the, uh, the club spent all summer basically um, preaching one line that it was, we're not, we're not going to make the same mistakes again. The mistake we've made before is we go to the Premier League before we're ready. And then if you do that, you can, you can sort of accept that you're going to get relegated, take the television money, come down and go back up again, you know, and do it a couple of times. That's how West Brom did it and uh, work like that. What QPR do is they rush, they get there. Before they're ready, they then throw loads and loads of money at it and actually end up coming back in more debt than, uh, than they were when they went. You know, we've, we're two, we owe £200 million, mostly to the owner, um, but it was all accrued while we were in the Premier League earning the big television money. So it was a relief almost to hear them say, we're going to consolidate this year, we're going to build a club, get some solid foundations before we go back to the Premier League. That changed very slightly when a lot of the players we thought we were going to sell we didn't for one reason or another. Sandro didn't have a passport. Uh, Leroy Fur failed a medical. Uh, nobody met the asking price for Charlie Austin, which when you look at some of the, uh, the tap that's moved around this summer, I, I found that quite surprising. And Phillips ended up staying as well. So that sort of raised expectations a little bit. You've also then, you're also then bringing players who thought they were going to leave back into a first team setup, which has its own problems and players who thought they were going to be playing you know, suddenly aren't because, you know, I thought I was going to be playing centre forward, but Charlie Austin's still here. So that, that brings its own problem. So they, they've had all of that to deal with. We then had uh, Tony Fernandez, our, our beloved outspoken chairman, um, turn up a couple of weeks ago and basically sort of send out an Instagram message saying, you know, in not so many words, this is all well and good, but promotion means the world to me. That's what he said. So basically, he wants us to go back up this year, even though we've got the same team that finished last, last season uh, and Charlie Austin's out of contract next summer. So we'd potentially be going back with the same team, you know, the same sort of players that finished last last year, minus Charlie Austin. So the same thing would happen again. So that's ramped the pressure up a little bit more. Um, and that was followed by, yeah, the, the bizarre sort of Warnock arrival, which was announced just, be, just as we were about to go on the pitch against Birmingham. So, of course, when the Birmingham game didn't go particularly well, everybody starts singing Warnock's name. I thought, yeah, it completely undermined him. And it just, it feels like, you know, what the clubs say and what Tony Fernandez actually wants, you know, are different things. The PR line this year was, we're meant to be consolidating. And that, that seems to have gone a little bit out the window. The fans, you know, a lot of the fans say, well, with the players we've got, we should be going up. But like I say, all of these players, Rob Green, Sandro, Leroy Fur, Matt Phillips, Charlie Austin, they were all here last year when we finished last. So, Austin apart, I'm not sort of convinced that they're as good as everybody makes out, and it's it's putting unnecessary pressure on on Ramsey, really, in my opinion. Well, that's interesting, and, and I mean Charlie Austin, 
I mean, he's meant to be back, they say, for the game on Friday. I mean, uh, you seem like you're in two minds about him. And I was wondering initially how lost would somebody like Austin be for QPR if he went in January because, you know, he's meant to go this summer. You know, he's out of, of contract next year. You're not sure whether or not you should really be going out. But on the other side, you've also scored a load of goals. I mean, you scored the most goals in the championship yeah. so far, which is 22. So, you know, you're, you're not shy of putting the ball in the back no, of the No, I mean, yeah, yeah the... The, the thing about Ramsey's team, and we say we've been inconsistent, but we, we've got the worst defence in the Championship, or we did have until last weekend. I think somebody might have gone past us now, but we had the worst defence and the best attack in the Championship. And that sort of sums up where we are. And, you know, Ramsey deserves credit. Austin's been out for months now, and we've continued to score. You know, Jay Emmanuel Thomas, who I'd always considered a bit lazy, um, and has been bombed out by a couple of Championship teams before for being lazy, and didn't always start for Bristol City last year in League One. Suddenly, you know, he's in for, for Austin and, you know, it hasn't really made a lot of difference. He's scored five goals in six starts, I think, and works really hard. You know, so there's that Charlie, Charlie Austin is brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. He's the, he's the sort of one Premier League quality player we've got. And like I say, I'm really surprised that nobody bought him in the summer. Although, from what I understand, he's basically waiting for his contract to, to run down so that next summer he has his pick of 30 clubs as opposed to maybe this summer when he only, you know, he would have had to pick from the one or two that were willing to, to pay for him. That's, you know, that's the situation there with Austin. But yeah. the rest of them, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not overly convinced. Like I said, they were all here last year when we, when we finished bottom. Yeah, and also, I mean, Ramsey, he got rid of a load of journeymen or tried to get rid of a load of journeymen and bought in some youth. And I was actually impressed with the signing of Luongo and he also got Gladwin from Swindon. I know there's a little bit of kind of, potential activity here because Gladwin's gone back to Swindon and you think, you know, maybe there might have been some sort of money loaded on across the two players and uh, Gladwin sent back to kind of plot his words over there. But Luongo, I mean, I thought he was decent. I mean, we know those players down in Division 1 and I thought he was decent for Swindon. Yeah, and uh, Luongo's arguably, you know, Austin apart, probably been our best player so far. I really, really like the look of him. The uh, the little the little thing with Gladwin is 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 just a theory that's sort of been passed around the pub that uh, they came together from Swindon for a reported fee of three million pounds, and uh, Luongo we know had a big sell-on fee to Tottenham. So uh, the fact that Gladwin has come in barely played, although he did have an injury in August and uh, been loaned straight back to Swindon, almost make you know it makes you wonder whether they uh, loaded the money of the transfer, you know, on, so paid two point nine million for Gladwin and a hundred thousand pounds for Luongo and. Tottenham get 20 quid and Swindon get to keep all the money. You wonder whether something like that went on, whether it did or not, I don't know. But um, The signings for, for most of them, we got a lad from Holland called Ch- uh, Taron Cherry, who's also looks a real steal. You know, he's one of those uh, that your chairman would like, you know, he tops all the stats for, for free kicks and, you know, possession and stuff like that. He's a, he's a, he's a stats man, basically. So he looked, he looked a good signing. There was a bit of panic towards the end of the window. It, you know, it felt like um, we went away. From, originally, it was, you know, we're going to buy young, we're going to scout down the leagues and in Europe and stuff. And then suddenly, towards the end of the window, it was like, oh, uh, we were Paul Koncheski, uh, James Perch, you know. So that felt a little bit like the old QPR, you know, you know, just get some bodies in, more bodies. So uh, it was a bit, bit half and half. But you know, for the most part of the summer, I was very impressed with how they went about it and the players they brought in and the players that were allowed to leave. So looking ahead to Friday, I'm just wondering, are Rangers fans as pent up for this match as Bees fans are? I mean, last season, we played Fulham, and played them for, what was it, about 16, 17 years, and uh, Fulham came down to Griffin Park, they weren't ready for it at all, because it was a proper cauldron. 
Well, we um, we played uh, Chelsea at home a, a, a few years ago for the first time in, a, in, a, in many a year, 15 years or whatever. And they did the same. They came to Loftus Road and just did, absolutely didn't appreciate the strength of feeling towards them. They didn't really know who we were. You know, obviously, we know most Chelsea fans weren't there before 2001. So why would they know? But, you know, we beat them 1-0. They had two men sent off. They completely lost the plot. John Terry ended his England career with what he said in that game. You know, it all fell apart for Chelsea on the day because they just didn't understand it. And the Sky pundits afterwards, I think Jamie Redknapp was on the panel saying, I didn't even really realise this was a derby because, you know, football started in 1992 and, you know, no good. that's how it is. And I do, I, it is a little bit the same the other way around this Friday because I think if QPR and Brentford do play each other a bit over the next couple of years, you know, the QPR fan will get back into it and will realise and it will become a big sort of grudge match. Um, but the lack of sort of matches between us, I mean, even the Bircham goal and whatever, that was 10 years ago almost. Um, so I do think it needs a few fixtures to, to spice it up from our side. But, you know, we're, I'm well aware, like, I, you know, I come to Brentford occasionally, I came to the Chef Wednesday game and, I get, you know, I know that they sing the QPR songs and whatever. So I know, you know, I know there's a real strength of feeling there over Martin Rowlands and the merger in Dim and Distant Pass and things like that. So, I know what it's going to be like, you know, but I, the strength of feeling will will come as a bit of a surprise, I think. But like I say, if we play a few games over the next few years, it'll all all rise up again, I think. Okay, well, forget about the games. It's all about the Friday game, and I think they'll feel, they'll feel the passion for the bees on Friday. But on the pitch, I mean, Brentford are back after being deep in the mire. You know, we're actually playing some decent football now. We look more organised than we have of late. And there'd be shades of that free-flowing attacking football we were playing last season. You probably didn't see that at the Wednesday game. But, I mean, I'm just wondering, how do you think the game will pan out? It really, honestly, it really depends what, what QPR team turn up. Because for a lot of the London derbies, you know, we've just fallen in a hole. And almost immediately fallen in a hole. Like The last three times we've been to Fulham, we've been 3-0 down at half-time on each occasion. We got done six at Fulham. We got done four there this year. And it's always the same, like concede after one minute, concede after three minutes, concede after eight minutes. Just don't even get started. We did something similar at Palace. So if it's going to be like that, then then I fear for us. And obviously, uh, Judge is playing well for you and he plays well in a position where we're weak because our big sort of problem this year for me has been the form of our fullback. So, you know, that's a concern. But the player, you know, the players we've got, if they turn up and if they turn up and play, we, we do have some real quality players. Like we've, we've spoken about Luongo and Cherry, but we've got Matt Phillips on one wing. You know, we've potentially got Austin coming back in, although I suspect he'll start on the bench. But, but Emmanuel Thomas has been playing well up front. We have got some good players. So if we turn up and play, keep it tight defensively, don't fall in a hole immediately. We can be competitive and win the game. Score prediction? 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one score prediction. So listen, Clive Whittingham from QPR blog. Lost for words. Nice one, mate. Good chatting to you. Probably catch up with a beer with you maybe before the game because all the pubs are open. All the pubs they are, are open. Yes, all the fans. Yeah. There's absolutely no problems there whatsoever from anybody. You know, the police are comfortable with things and it's, it's a derby. But again, good vibes at Brentford. You could drink anywhere. Listen, Clive, good chatting to you and I'll catch up with you after the big game. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. So... All the hype about the QPR game, um, I almost forgot that we're home next Tuesday as well. Brentford are at home to Hull City um, Tuesday night at Griffin Park. The return of Moses Adebagio. Sav, Mm -hmm. what kind of reception is young Moses going to get? 
Uh, I thought he was superb for us for the whole season. I think he, he holds himself well. I think he he left because the, he was going to get a lot more money and the thing was triggered. We know all of this. He but, triggered it? Uh, no, Hull triggered it. Hull, Hull decided to pay more than three and a half million, so they triggered it. And he went. And fair enough, you know, he's, he's a young lad. He's ambitious. He's trying to make a name for himself. He's in the England under-20s, so he's really trying to push himself forward. That's fine. He was brilliant for us. Got nothing against him. Give us the three points. I'm happy. Matt, is it a hurrah or is it a boo? Um, I'll, I'll clap him, to be honest, because I, as long as players go um, and don't show disrespect for the club, um, then... And okay, some people may, might argue he did, but I don't think there's many people listening to podcasts that, when offered more money to go and work for another company, wouldn't do that. Especially if that company wasn't the company that bought them up in the first place. And you know, I mean, he he joined us from a from another yeah. club. We did something similar. Uh, so I don't. I, for me, I'll be I, yeah, I'll clap him. So so Brentford were a stepping stone for him to get to the top, as were Leighton Orient. It's just a fact of life. He's an ambitious player with, with big ambitions. Although I'd pick you up on the fact that you say Brentford were a stepping stone for him to get to the top. Actually, if we beat Rangers and if we beat Hull, I think probably we could go uh, above Hull on anyway. So I'm not uh, saying no, that no, Hull no, is I'm, at the I'm, top. I'm put, no, I'm putting myself in his position. I'm not saying Hull are at the top. Oh right, okay. Yeah. So you know, he, he he he's joined them thinking they're going to go back to the Premier League. You know. He, I'm not saying they're better than us. I, I think I think that I think Hull need to get promoted to the Premier League this year because otherwise I, I reckon they could find themselves into a sort of Norwich or Leeds situation as they could be rattling round, you know, in the in the Championship for for a number of years. Um, I I applaud Moses. I thought he was a good, excellent player for for Brentford. I thank him for his services. Good luck to him, mate. But you know we don't need you anymore because we've got several good right backs anyway. I agree with all of you. Um, I think he played a huge part in what was just a magnificent season last year. Um, players come, players go. You know we're not going to hold on to them all forever. None of these players are going to be here for five, ten years. So you know at some stage everyone goes. We got good money for him. He didn't um, become a legend. No, he didn't become a legend. This, uh, we will, this legend gate, we will return to this. If you haven't heard us discussion, discussing the, the legend debacle and the legends conversation, check out the post-Wolves podcast from last week. Very, very interesting. We will come back to this because th- this, is, this is something that's got legs. Um, let's, let's look at these next two games. Let's not, let's not, go, let's not go too far ahead of ourselves. Let's not, let's not get to Blackburn, which is Saturday week. We'll discuss that one next week. Let's look at Fulham at home, Hull at home. As a, sorry, you to say Fulham. QPR, sorry. Q, Q, it's a Freudian slip. QPR at home and um, Hull at home as a Saturday, Saturday um, midweek, you know, two, two matches. And it's a Friday and a Tuesday, I know. But six points from two home games. What's your expectations, Matt? I think QPR is... I have a feeling it's going to be a bonkers game. I think there are players very, very up for it. I think there could be all sorts of shenanigans on the pitch. Um, I'm, McCormack I'm, yellow card. Yeah, yeah, well, McCormack yellow card early doors. Maybe, you know, who, who knows, maybe worse than that. I'd be surprised. I, I think I'd be quite surprised there are 22 players on the pitch at the end. Um, I'm going to go two all. I, I think there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on. Um, and then for the whole game... 
I think Hull at the moment are a better side than us. I think that's proven in the league. However, we get an extra day's rest, and there are, and I hate to bring the word statistics into the podcast because I think we've avoided the words, that word all evening, but there are plenty of statistics that say um, the extra day rest in a short period makes quite a difference. So um, I think we can, we can definitely draw with Hull and maybe sneak a win, but I'll, I'll go 1 1, so I'm going two draws. Two draws. Nick? I agree with Matt about the QPR game. I think there'll be some shenanigans on the pitch. I hope there are no shenanigans off it. Uh, I think it will be a 2-2 draw um, for the Rangers game. Hull I'm more confident about, actually, because I think that um, Hull can be beaten. Um, they're, they're an average team. I think they're still finding their way in what championship football is like. It'd be really nice to get one over on Steve Bruce as well. So I'll go for 1-0 Brentford for the Hull game. Sav, um, I think that uh, they're both going to be tough games. I think uh, I don't think Adam McCormack's going to get sent off. I think if he was going to get sent off, it would have been against Charlton. Uh, but I think he's he's going to be fine. He's going to be level-headed. He's just going to play his his normal game and be absolutely brilliant. And I really fancy us. I'll pick up at least one yellow card. That's fine. Yellow cards, no <laughs> That's problem. That's his normal game. No problem. That's his normal game. Sure. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I think over those two games, there's four points in it for us. I'm, I'm not sure where the, where, how they're going to split. But I think Get off the fence, mate. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to beat QPR and we're going to draw with Hull. Well, so we'll, I'm going to agree in principle with all of them and say that we're going to be unbeaten over these two games um, and it's, I'll, be, I'll just be delighted if it's, we're five games unbeaten at the, uh, you know, after, after Tuesday evening but I actually am going to stick my neck out and I'm going to say we're going to win them both we're going to beat QPR I, I can see why you would suggest it's going to be a potty game it's got all the makings of it I hope it is actually I hope it's a real potty mental game um, and you know it's something that we remember for a long time. I think I think both games are going to be really entertaining. I think there's going to be a lot of football played, um, and you know it's going to be good football. And I think we will we were going to do Hull as well. So I'm going to say we will be ahead of the curve, and we will do our five consecutive wins. Um, we'll talk about the rest of it next week. There's a danger. There's a danger then that we could end up in the playoff in, in the play, in the playoff zone. If we, if we win these two games we'll take that one step at a time I think basically though I think we're just all delighted that we are we are the, the words five game win or five games unbeaten or you know that that's that's in our vocabulary again we're not looking doom and gloom and the, the relegation word we're, lo- we're looking forward and around us rather than over our shoulders all that's left to say is Get down to Brentford on Friday. Get down to Brentford on Tuesday. Sing your hearts out for the lads. Get behind the team. Support them all you can. And come on, you Reds. Come on, you Reds. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, 
we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.